0: There have been a couple of developments coming out of the ESCOM stable that we've kept an eye on throughout the last couple of weeks and months. And uh, the latest among them was that announcement around the new board that's been uh, put in place to head up the transmission subsidiary. You know that that subsidiary of that business would be uh, as a result of the unbundling that ESCOM is undergoing at the moment to separate into three divisions. And we're going to be taking a look at that and a couple of other developments from ESCOM. And to do that, I'm joined on the line by the ESCOM chairman, Dr. Mtetonyat, Good evening, sir. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Let's perhaps start with the new board appointments and the structure that that then puts in place for ESCOM. What are your thoughts around the current board that sits within ESCOM that you are the chairman of and uh, how will this new board integrate with your existing board?
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me and uh, I'm glad to also be talking to your listeners. The first thing you're asking about uh, the board, uh, this board now is just over a year, the ESCOM board. And I've been the chairman of this board for just over a month. So so we are no longer the new board. Uh, We we have been around now. We understand deeply what the issues are. We are fully uh, driving the business and making sure that we get the country out of the challenges that it is currently facing. And uh, there are many pieces to to, to address. Uh, uh, it's more like a puzzle. You have to put together all of the bits and pieces. And not all of the challenges are in generation. Some of the challenges are in distribution and in transmission. And so we, as the board, are looking at the entirety of ESCOM and making sure that we are moving all of the pieces and putting them in the right place. Uh, I've got a very capable board. Uh, I'm quite fortunate. Uh, I've got people that uh, are really, really have got deep understanding of the industry and they are guiding me and we are collectively guiding the leadership of ESCOM. Uh, The appointment that we've just made now recently of the CEO, it was conducted by this board And we are very comfortable with the appointment of Dan Morokane as our new CEO who's going to take the company forward. The next step though uh, is to make sure that we uh, execute the restructuring of ESCOM into its three entities. Uh, This is critical in terms of changing the landscape, the energy landscape within South Africa. We're moving into this new world where all most of developed countries have already moved into the space, creating a transmission company that is open, that is able to interact with uh, independent power producers and produce and procure electricity for the country. And uh, setting up that entity, it is important for us, it was important to, to, to identify a board suitable individuals that can take the lead and guide this new entity to be able to fulfill its mandate. We have done so yesterday, we announced 12 names. We are very, very happy with the people that we're able to find. In all of these roles, it's nothing. You can have a great CEO, but the CEO can never do anything on his own or her own. Uh, they need people around them. And and to have this quality of people that we manage to secure for National Transmission Company of South Africa, we are very excited about its future. How it's going to interact with us? Uh, it's going to be an independent board. They've got their own chair. The chair of that board uh, is... Uh, Priscilla Mabelane. Uh, she is going to be leading that board together, of course, with the lead independent director, Brian Armstrong. Uh, they are independent. Our interface with them is that one of being a shareholder. Uh, that's the the extent. Uh, everything else, they have to run that business on their own. I hope I've answered your
0: question. Thank you, Dr. Nyati. You have, uh, with regards to the uh boards and the structure. The understanding is, of course, that the individual units, the transmission unit, the distribution unit, and the generation uh, businesses will all be subsidiaries of the current ESCOM business. First of all, is that likely to change? And following from that does this now not then shift um, or, or create a bit of confusion around the role of your board and ESCOM as the parent company as a shareholder? I mean, what we've seen in the past is we've definitely seen where shareholder involvement has been uh, within state-owned entities. There's been a confusion as to how entities then uh, are managed. If there's too many chefs in the kitchen, so to speak, it becomes very difficult to make decisions. Is this not something ESCOM is concerned about? Uh,
1: we are not another- Really I mean, this is this is a structure that is common. Uh, I come from the private sector. Private sector companies have got uh, these subsidiaries all over, and they've got independent boards running the different subsidiaries. If you've got a an operating company that has got this board, you allow that board to do uh, what it needs to do, and you interface with them. They have to, of course, you have they have to account back to you as the shareholder of that, but that's the extent to which you get involved operationally, and otherwise you allow that board to to operate independently. And this is what we're going to do here. Uh, the good thing is that we are, uh, we've got people that, uh, that have got huge amount of experience in the private sector uh, leading uh, uh, these entities, uh, we've got uh, Priscilla who comes from Sasol. Uh, I come from industry myself, Uh, we understand fully governance. Uh, It is very important that we give them the space to do what they need to do as that board. And, And that's what we're going to do. But at the same time, as a shareholder, we want to make sure that they deliver on what we want. So they have to account to us, but we won't interfere, but we'll hold them accountable. So that is the relationship between us and them.
0: Dr. Nyati, speaking of uh, deliverables and accountability, I'd like to take a look at the integrated resource plan that was signed off by Minister Gwede Mantashe. The plan suggests uh, a bit of a change in the setup that we have at the moment. So we had an integrated resource plan from 2019 that has now uh, been amended and it looks as though there's been a a shift uh, away from uh, the reliance on renewables and a shift towards extending the life of coal uh, as we have it at the moment, as well as uh, improving the electricity availability factor. And my question around the integrated resource plan, uh, firstly, is how has, was ESCOM involved in uh, the preparation of this resource plan before it was finalized and signed off Uh, and if that is the case then uh, how do we explain the base scenario uh, having load shedding for another three years
1: okay i I think there are a lot of things uh, in one question let me try and unpack them Uh, the first one is that this uh, resource plan that, that you are talking about, the 2023 resource plan. is not an approved plan. It's, it's, a, it's a plan that's sent out for, for public to comment on it. So we still have a long way to go to get to a point where we can say we've got a plan for the country that has been approved. It has not been. It's a plan that's been approved for public to engage with it. And we, as ESCOM, are part of the stakeholders that's got an interest in this when we are currently looking at that plan and making sure that uh, we provide the necessary input. When, when when they are having the public hearings, we will provide our input. I am not going to be sitting here and, and making a comment around that. I'm going to allow the team that has been tasked to look at this plan to, to do exactly that and formally present uh, in the right structures our input as ESCOM. So, but what we can say is that uh, overall, our view is that in order for us to fulfill our mandate uh, generally uh, well, one a mandate is that one of making sure that there's electricity all the time that electricity is sustainable and i mean that electricity is affordable and it is produced in a way that is not harming the environment those are the three things that are key for us so renewables is something that we cannot avoid it has got to be and part of the agenda and, and is something that we are embracing as ESCOM. Uh, but at the same time, we need to know that we have just built, uh, now we're starting to, uh, start to enjoy the benefits of Kusile uh, uh, 1, 2, 3, up to 6. We'll, uh, we will enjoy the benefits of Medupi. And those power stations will still be around for a very, very long time. They are coal fired power stations. So we'll continue to have that. But as we move forward, any investment that we have, it has to be in the in the area of renewables, because not because just because of the environment, but because it drives down the cost of producing electricity which is something that many south africans want us to do to make sure that we deliver electricity that is affordable you cannot do that if you are not embracing uh, renewables renewables substantially reduce the cost of producing electricity in fact wind is the cheapest then solar you know so if we can't go in that direction we are actually creating a huge problem for the economy because we'll be delivering electricity that is not affordable that is not helping the economy to grow so so those are the key things i just wanted to share with you around this particular point
0: Dr. Nyati um you, you touched on this uh, or you you mentioned this quite clearly about the fact that affordable electricity is what is needed at this stage. And we cannot uh, ignore the fact that, first of all, the electricity tariffs have been increasing year on year for quite a number of years, while the electricity production itself has been decreasing. And effectively, consumers Mm -hmm. have been paying more to receive less electricity. How then does this integrated resource plan that speaks to things like gas to power um, become affordable for consumers? Because The only gas-to-power conversation that we've had has been the conversation with car powership and Minister Ramakhopa himself, in a conversation I had with him separately, said that that deal in its current form is not financially sustainable. So if the integrated resource plan right now still makes mention of avenues that are not financially sustainable towards reducing the cost of uh, electricity. How then do we hope to bridge this gap once the public does provide commentary? As you said, this is, this is still a draft uh, document. It hasn't been uh, implemented as a resource plan. But we need to think about these things before it is finalized.
1: Absolutely. This is why uh, it is wise uh, for the MRE uh, to engage the public and also the institutions like ours who are going to be providing the input to make sure that all of the interests are taken into consideration. And from where we're sitting as Eskom, our interest is that one of affordability. Uh, we cannot continue to be increasing tariffs year in and year out. We need to find a way of reducing it, and one of those ways Uh, is to embrace uh, renewables. Of course, we also need to be looking at our our own costs and becoming even more productive, and, and that's another way but the the quickest way is to make sure that we come up with technologies that uh, that are costing us less mm. so uh, i th- i think i think this point uh, for us we should not be debating it right now because this is not a final thing we still have a long way to get to that point you no know, should not be worried about anything you know let people have the engagements And I know for sure that we are going to do, you know, people are going to do what is right for South Africa.
0: Mm. Dr. Nyati, let's stick with the cost uh, containment uh, conversation that uh, we've been having. Uh, We spoke about the unbundling of ESCOM that's taking place. And I want to look at two costs in particular. Uh, the costs of development that we're now going to go through under these new structures in the form of the 200 billion rand that is going towards uh, transmission or that is needed for transmission. Uh, Minister Ramaphosa has come out uh, to say that private sector investment and private investment is desperately needed if we are to get towards uh, this outcome. Um, the importance of being able to successfully finance the transmission for electricity generation in future let's start with that
1: yeah it is so important that we should uh, first we should never put escom uh, in a situation where we have to now go and and beg uh, for us because we've got this huge amount of debt we we should never go into that situation anymore so we need to find alternative ways uh, of of financing this and, and and we we can learn a lot from what has happened around the toll roads you know where we have asked private sector to to come and and do certain things and over a period of time uh, then you hand over that asset back to 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 the public sector to government. You know, it's called build, operate, and transfer. There are models like that that uh, that have been done elsewhere. We need to be looking at that and in tap into into alternative sources of funding without uh, uh, burdening the the uh, the fiscal uh, with with this uh, this development that needs to happen but at the same time uh, as a country we need to be thinking how can we use this opportunity this is a great opportunity over the next 10 years this is a huge amount of money that this country is going to be investing how can we use that to develop specific industries you know uh, and make sure that we've got local capability that we can then use uh, and take those capabilities into the rest of the continent take those capabilities into other emerging markets at the back of the investment that we did for transmission in South Africa. If you look back in terms of our own history uh, in South Africa, if you look at the Africaners, the Africaners did this very well, and and we need to learn some of those lessons and make sure that we bring some of that thinking here. Uh, the other thing that we need to make sure that we do uh, is that we have to appoint people of integrity in roles. Let's not use them. Um, uh, let's not have an, uh, this huge amount of money going to waste because of corruption you know that is why we took some time to find uh, men and women of integrity to be in charge of our transmission uh, uh, as, uh, and be part and parcel of the board of transmission. We need a people who have got the courage, people who have got the integrity, people who are able to speak up, people who will be able to challenge. These are the things over and above just their technical competences. That's what we needed, because we've learned a lot and seen what happened when we're building Kusile, what happened when we're building uh, Medubi, it cannot happen uh, at this moment. We need to use this opportunity to uplift South Africa and set it up so that we can do something beyond just transmission take those capabilities that we have built and offer them into other countries so that is the big thing so at the end of the day uh, it all relies on us working together it all relies on all of the institutions paying attention to what is happening in ESCOM and holding the ESCOM and both National Transmission and ESCOM accountable to make sure that we use the funds that we get in the right way to develop the country.
0: Mm. Dr. Nyati, uh, speaking of accountability and building a better ESCOM, the other cost I wanted to look at was the current situation uh, within ESCOM at the moment. 80% of ESCOM's diesel budget has been used and we are only nine months uh, into the year. What is uh, the plan if we need to finance this, is there enough uh, available to ensure that electricity is provided? Because if we look at, first of all, the integrated resource plan as it currently stands, it does not speak to uh, a reduction in load shedding that we're seeing. And we've addressed that to say that load shedding needs to be something that is uh, dealt with sustainably. But from An operational standpoint, the day to day operations suggest that right now, 26 billion out of the 30 billion that's been budgeted for diesel has already been spent. How do we plan to get through the rest of the year, and how do we plan to finance this sort of cost going forward?
1: I don't know where you got this 26 billion that has already been spent, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know where you got that. Uh, but what 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 we are seeing uh, internally here is that uh, yes, we continue to have setbacks here and there, but we're seeing some improvement in terms of the reliability of of our plants, and that reliability of the of the plant comes from the huge blend maintenance that we have been doing over the while, over the last now almost six months, we have been doing heavy blend maintenance. And and the benefits that we're going to get out of that, with, yes, we're having load shedding in the short term because we're doing blend maintenance. But uh, coming out of that is that uh, uh, when we bring back these units, they will be much more reliable and uh, require less uh, support from OCGTs that are very, very costly. And if if it were up to us, we would not be using uh, those OCGTs. So the investment that we are putting now is to make sure that as we move forward the rest of this financial year and into the new financial year, we will be using as a minimum OCGTs as possible because we have done the investment. On around plant maintenance. It's a pain right now, but it is a necessary pain to get us out of, out of, uh, uh, of relying on diesel, which is very expensive and uh, which will be driving the cost to consumer up uh, and is also not sustainable.
0: Thank you for that, uh, Dr. Nyati uh, Just for reference, that uh, 20 uh, billion rand figure was pulled from the ESCOM interim results uh, that was published uh, around the results up to the 30th of September that suggested that uh, there was a budget uh, of 19.7 billion rand that was being uh, worked within. So the numbers came from uh, the statements that were pulled through uh, by ESCOM. Uh, but let's move back to the um, outlook for the power utility going forward. We've spoken about The need for building a sustainable entity uh, and ensuring that this entity lives better than the ESCOM that we currently have. And to do that, um, you've alluded to the fact that we need to all uh, be working together and ensuring that there is accountability, first of all, and that there's a reduction in uh, corruption. Um, How do we ensure that we achieve this from an accountability standpoint? Have there been measures that have been put in place uh, by the current board that will hold members within ESCOM subsidiaries accountable for their performance? In the past, we've seen that ESCOM, um, and obviously this was prior to uh, yourself and the current board joining, uh, that we've seen that regardless of the performance of ESCOM, ESCOM executives have been remunerated accordingly. There haven't been any conversations around performance-related, bonuses uh, tied to the performance of the entity. Is that something that we can expect to see from the new subsidiaries in an effort to hold everybody accountable for their performance?
1: So, look, uh, what has been done in the past was uh, uh, the the removal of all of the uh, bonuses within ESCOM. I, I personally think that is a wrong move. You know, because you are actually treating everybody the same now. You know, you are saying to the good people that are performing, uh, you are performing the same way as everybody else. Uh, so we will just treat you the same. No, we need to differentiate. Differentiation is something that is key those people that are doing well they need to be given the bonuses and they must they are the ones that are going to be helping us to get out of the challenges that we have here those that are not performing they must be helped to perform if they cannot then we must help them to leave the company you know and that is the culture that we are building a culture which is a high performance culture but at the at the core of that you need to, to have the tool of having uh, incentives, incentives that help people to drive the right kind of a behavior, both short-term incentives and long-term incentives. And this is absolutely key. Otherwise, we will not be able to attract the best talent that we need to get us out of the challenges that we have. So so for me, uh, having performance incentives is absolutely critical. But what you need to do is to uh, set up targets in such a way that if people are not performing, they get nothing. And when people are performing, yes, they must get something. You know, So that is how we are. That's the kind of thinking that we're bringing back into the organization. We set the targets. If we see people being paid anything, it's because you, you would have felt as the citizen of South Africa that we have moved forward. And and that is the drive. Otherwise, you know, if we are punishing this collective punishment, everybody is being punished. Uh, we will never get the, the many people that are doing great work. They will simply decide not to help. And, and we are going to be in a bigger problem than we currently are at. So absolutely, we're bringing this, uh, we're making sure that we incentivize, but we're holding people accountable. Uh, then the other piece which you, which, you, which you have highlighted is this one around corruption. Uh, this is something that uh, we, 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 we as this board are paying a lot of attention to. Uh, we are not necessarily going to be standing on rooftops and shouting around the work that we do here, uh, but we are going to be seeing the pain, uh, people the, feeling the consequences of what we do uh, because we just cannot continue to be allowing an environment where where people are, are using the resources of the company in the wrong way. And and will be hitting people in many, many different ways. And, and, and they will be feeling it. Mm. And, and that is it's not just a commitment. It's something that we are passionate about. It's something that we have to root out of ESCOM corruption.
0: Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Dr. Nyati. That was uh, Dr. Mteto Nyati, who is the chairman of ESCOM, giving us his thoughts on the latest uh, board appointments as well as the integrated resource plan and ESCOM's operations going forward.